God, speak to me that I may hear and through me that we all may hear. And having heard again, afresh and anew, this word, make us doers of it and not hearers only. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. A bit of TV trivia for you this morning. Do you know what the longest running prime time, uh, one hour length TV show was in TV history? You are incorrect. It was a trick. Gunsmoke was first the longest. 20 years it ran. And then Law and Order in 1990 was the beginning of a long run that also lasted 20 years. It was a tie between Gunsmoke. Do all of us even know what Gunsmoke was? No, no. And Law and Order, which ran from 1990 to 2010 on NBC. Now, the winner actually was Law and Order. The length of time was the same, but there were more episodes of Law and Order because there were, and this speaks to its success, there were 12 spin-off series that came as a result of it, including Special Victims Unit, um, Law and Order Criminal Intent, Law and Order Trial by Jury, Law and Order True Crime, and even Location episodes as well. And the format was the same every week for Law and Order. There was a crime that was committed originally in the series in New York City. It was investigated by law enforcement and people were apprehended. The second 30 minutes of the show was always about hashing out justice and keeping order by fulfilling the purpose of the law there in New York City and all the other 12 uh, places and ways that the series went as well. There could have been a Law and Order Sinai, although it was way before its time, because Moses and the Israelites were out there in the wilderness and never before had they had to make decisions for themselves. Never had they had to decide what was, what was just and right and good, what was fair amongst all of them, because plain and simply they were enslaved and they were told what to do, and they were made to do it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But you know, we know as Americans that that freedom has an extra uh, special responsibility, if you will, to keep us on our toes uh, to look out for everyone, not just to be doing what we are told. And so in the middle of the wilderness with these people that didn't know who to go to or or how to act or live in order to keep a sense of law and order and, and um, purpose and meaning to them. God worked through Moses and was able to bring to them stability, order, and a sense of justice. Let's talk about quickly the ways that he did that today because they speak to our faith and to our lives as well. First of all, God's presence was revealed to the people there at the mountain. Mount Sinai. It was a place that Moses would go back to time and again where the Israelites would gather where God would descend upon and speak to the people. Now this was a new thing, a new thing altogether. They had heard Moses talking about this God and speaking on behalf of this God and, and Aaron delivering 
to them orally the message that God spoke to Moses from God, but they had never themselves heard the voice of God speak. And there on Mount Sinai, God gave specific directions to Moses, purify the people and bring them so that they may hear me speaking to you and they may know who it is that I am. And of course there was the provision, don't go too close and don't touch because this God is otherworldly, holy, powerful, mighty. God revealed himself to the Israelites there in the, the wilderness and they suddenly understood that they were in the presence of the God that Moses had been talking to them about, that their forefathers had said they had struck a covenant with, and they were scared to death. Can you imagine the smoke and the thunder and the rumbling and, and the words of fear that if you touch or go too close, you may be struck down? I love what Moses said to them. Don't be afraid. God has come to test you uh, so that the fear of God that is within you will will keep you from sinning, keep you on the path that leads to life. God revealed himself in a new way to the Israelites there in the wilderness to forge and bring them together to be his people, a light shining into the world. There is uh, the story in Matthew 17, and it's in a couple of other Gospels too, of Jesus ascending on a much smaller mountain and taking along with him a couple of his disciples, three, uh, one version says. In Matthew, it's James and John, and then it's Peter that goes up with him. Do you remember the story of the transfiguration that happened there? There was a cloud that fell over the mountain, and they ascended up into the cloud, and there, Peter, James, and John were amazed that they saw with Jesus Moses and Elijah appearing. It was an amazing moment when they suddenly, powerfully knew in a way they never had before. They were standing in the presence of Almighty God, and they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this rabbi they had been following, Jesus, was God himself. In the ranks of those that God spoke to and worked through for all of their forefathers. And what did Jesus say to them when they were there? As they were getting ready to leave, Matthew 17 says, Get up now and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, only Jesus was standing there. God had revealed to the Israelites in, in grand and dynamic and powerful fashion his presence to the Israelites and to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's revealed himself to us as being, being the person of God's Son. As we follow him, we find, we find that God reveals himself to us every day in walking and trusting in him in all things. God revealed himself to the people there in the wilderness. But secondly, he gave the commandments. He gave the law to them, the religious law, if you will. Now, in the Old Testament, there are 613 laws that the Israelites had concocted, but these 10 were the beginning of them all and held above all things that these 10 rules were for God's people. We still look at them and we still recognize them as being important to our faith 
as a part of, of who we are as Christians from the New Testament, also understanding the depths of our Christian faith from the Old Testament. I love that John Wesley wrote about what the purpose of the Old Testament law, these ten laws were from our, our Methodist upbringing, our Methodist founder, John Wesley. He said that those laws convict us of what is wrong in our lives, of our sin, that they help to lead us in the direction of righteousness and understanding who Christ is and why he came. But thirdly, he says that they guide and direct the Christian in the principles that Jesus came to teach and to fulfill. Isn't that what Jesus said, that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law? He said it many times throughout the Gospels. And Paul, and I love this, how he speaks of the law in Romans, saying that that. All of these commandments that you know, that you should not commit adultery, shall not murder, you shall not steal or covet, uh, all of these can be summed up in one commandment, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. There are a lot of people that frown down upon the Ten Commandments. And they've not been given a fair shake in recent times. They have been pushed down and washed away altogether. But they remind us that God's true intent for us as people is to live together in love and peace and harmony and mutual respect. The first four commandments are about us loving God and putting God above ourselves. But the last six are about us treating one another with fairness and justice and equity. Whether you, you like them or not, it's a great list of how people should live together in an ordered and fashioned way that, that seeks stability and justice for all of the people. It is, those Ten Commandments, the beginning of our American justice system. Did you notice that Jethro, the father-in-law, who Moses wisely recognized and listened to, laid out for him a way in which to judge the people, settle disagreements, handle conflicts between them. It's the same way that we have, a justice system that is representative of the people and yet sets a rule of law for all of us to be in accord and a part of. This law that God gives to the Israelites forges and brings them together as a people and, and helps them to to find a way to live together that is in the eyes of God, not, not in a way which seems right in their own eyes, but a rule that is above and beyond what, what each of them may think. And so God reveals himself to the people in grand fashion. He speaks this law into existence to order their existence. Finally, God brings order to the chaos that is there. Can you imagine that, that without some instruction and some direction that the Israelite story of God leading them out into to freedom from slavery would have ended well? History is wrought with, with stories of people who had every freedom in the world that they wanted and yet without direction ended up destroying themselves or destroying one another. 
there's a sense of, of order that God brings into chaos in this story that, that reminds us that's God's desire, not just for the Israelites, not just for us in Pleasant Garden or, or in the United States, but for all people in all of the world to live together in a way that is mutually respectable and just and stable and good. Do you remember the story that begins out the Old Testament scriptures? It is the story of, much like this one, God speaking into the world a sense of order where there was no world. What does Genesis say? That, that in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the, the Spirit of God was hovering upon the waters and God said, and God said, for six straight days, God spoke into to chaos of vapors and gases and liquids, formation of, of a place, of people, of animals, of ecosystems, of, of quite possibly universe and, and um, galaxies as well. God spoke order into the chaos. And because of that, beauty came in this place that we call Earth. In the wilderness, where the Israelites are there, unsure about where they'll get their food and water that God provides, unsure how they will live together, and, and who's right and who's wrong, and what's good and what's bad, God speaks into that a sense of order to overcome their chaos and help them to live together in peace. It's a beautiful thing that God does to speak into the world for all of of these people that God has created to give to us a sense of stability and justice and order that we so desire and need as people lest we destroy ourselves and do what is right just in our own hearts. And beyond, beyond the world that we live in, does God not bring order into the chaos of our own personal lives as well? When we have screwed up and messed up and made a, a mockery of what is truly good and right in the world, when we have failed to do what, what we know would be best and choose our own way instead of God's way, when we have breaks in relationships and and in families as well, is there not chaos that, that robs our peace and joy of us of simple daily living? And into that. God speaks through his son, Jesus Christ, who came to show us how to live in love and died on the cross to give forgiveness and grace to us all. The gift of order in our chaos that lets us sleep at night with a sense of peace and of joy, knowing that we are forgiven and loved is, is a gift in and of itself. And so, people of God, Christians of the New Testament, and yet, yet purveyors of the Old Testament laws fulfilled in Jesus, let us love God, the Lord our God, with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, and our strength. And let us love our neighbor as ourselves, as Jesus called us to do. And in doing so, in doing so, he will make us into the people that he he so desires and that he so needs. 
So we're going to stand and sing our closing hymn today, Trust and Obey. <laughs>